You're listening to the Good News in a Dark World podcast. Join us as we study God's Word and discover Jesus on every page. Here's Pastor Kevin. Invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, Psalm 8. We are uh, continuing for the uh, next few weeks uh, to look at various psalms together before we, Lord willing, begin something new, uh, September the 11th. Uh, this morning, though, we're in Psalm 8, perhaps one of the most uh, familiar to you and memorable of the psalms, Psalm 8. To the choir master, according to the Gatith, the Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have, crowned, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I grew up in uh, Southern California in a little town called El Segundo. It's a town uh, that's about the size of Ripon. Uh, one, of the, one of the geographical features of El Segundo is its close proximity to the beach. Uh, the house that I grew up in was probably a little less than a mile from that house to the beach. Now, when you spend a lot of time in a certain area, you tend to take that area for granted. It, it might be kind of like we take the, the beauty of the almond blossoms for granted in February. And so growing up, it was, it was easy for me, having lived so close to the beach for all that time, it was easy for me not to be amazed at the Pacific Ocean. For the first 18 years of my life, that's just where I lived. Some of you remember Harriet Leansvart. Harriet was a member of our congregation for a number of years. The Lord took her home, I think, in, in 2015. Uh, but for almost all of her life, Harriet had never seen the ocean. She was born in Michigan. She spent some time, many, many years in, in Colorado. But near the end of her life, some of her children took her down to San Diego. And for the very first time in her life, in her late 80s, she saw the Pacific Ocean. And I remember visiting her shortly after that, and she was just amazed at the, at the beauty and the power of the ocean. She was so thrilled that she could, she could stand on the beach and put her feet in the water. Now, living where I did as a kid, it, it wasn't all that amazing to me. Just something that I, I took for granted. Now, I bring that up, the contrast between myself and Harriet. I bring this up because is there a sense in which we sometimes do that with God? Is there a sense in which we take his 
greatness for granted. You know, we are so used to hearing about God in church every Sunday. We are so used to reading our Bibles and and hearing and reading about God that it's easy for us, perhaps, to lose sight of his glory and his majesty. Have you lost your sense of wonder at the greatness of God? Have you, in a sense, um, taken him for granted? And, And let's be honest, all of us go through this for periods of our lives. This is why it's good this morning to look at Psalm 8. To be reminded of the greatness of God. To be reawakened, if necessary, to how wonderful he is, as we just sang a moment ago. One author writes this, he says, Doctrine is always to lead us to doxology. You see, doctrine, theology, is not an end in itself. Doctrine is to lead us to doxology. Doctrine is to lead us to worship God. And so as we study Psalm 8 this morning, this is not merely to fill our heads with knowledge. This is to lead us to say, this is our God. This is how great he is. And this is how much he loved us to stoop down to us and to save us from our sin. And so there are two things we want to see in this psalm this morning. Number one is God's greatness in creation. And number two is God's crown of creation. God's greatness in creation and God's crown of creation. Psalm 8 begins and ends the same way, doesn't it? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David could say this because everywhere he looked, he was reminded of the majesty and the glory and the greatness of God. He says, for example, at the end of verse 1, notice he says, You have set your glory above the heavens. Sounds a lot like what he says in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Creation testifies to the glory and the greatness and the majesty and the power of God. I came across an article this week that uh, was almost too much for my mind to, to compute, to fathom. As you may know, we, we live in uh, the Milky Way galaxy. That's the galaxy that uh, planet Earth is in. But that's not the only galaxy that there is. Now, uh, experts estimate that there are, get this, there are approximately two trillion galaxies in our universe. Two trillion. That's two with uh, 12 zeros after it. That's mind-boggling. It doesn't compute. We, we can't even fathom the greatness of our universe. There's also something that one of you passed on to me last week. It has to do with what's called the neuron star. Maybe you've heard of the neuron star before. The neuron star is when a star collapses in on itself, it produces a new star, which is called a neuron star. 
experts believe that these neuron stars are so compressed, they are so dense, that a single cubic centimeter of that neuron star could weigh up to a hundred billion tons. A cubic centimeter, that's less than a, than a half inch cube. I can't grasp the immensity of that. It's unfathomable to me that a half inch cube could weigh a hundred billion tons. And yet the Bible tells us that that's nothing to God. That's nothing to him. The, the Bible teaches us in, in very clear terms that God created everything out of nothing. He created everything by his spoken word. For example, on the fourth day of creation, God said essentially, let there be the sun and the moon and the stars. In other words, God just spoke. And at the end of the fourth day, at the end of that, in Genesis 1, it says very simply, and it was so. Psalm 33, verse 6 says basically the same thing. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Children, grasp that for just a moment. God spoke, and it was so. He spoke the entire universe into existence out of nothing. By the way, do you know how many stars there are in our galaxy alone? Again, there's, there's two, up to two trillion galaxies in our universe. How many stars in just our galaxy? Over 200 billion stars. God spoke. And it was so. And so David looks at creation around him and he is, he is in awe of creation. Now understand that it's not so much that David is in awe of creation, but he's in awe of God. He's in awe of how great and mighty and powerful God is. Now no doubt creation is amazing. A beautiful sunset never gets old. The power of the ocean, the majestic grandeur of the mountains, those things are a sight to behold. When we were in uh, the Swiss Alps back in 2018, it is, it is just incredible. And maybe you visited places before that, that just left you in awe of creation. But at their very best, those things are a dim reflection of the greatness and the glory and the majesty of God. David looks at creation around him and he is in awe of God. He's in awe of God's greatness. He can't fathom how, how great God really is. And, and David says something similar in Psalm 145. He says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. In Job chapter 11, we read this. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. The greatness of God is, is simply unfathomable. And as David begins Psalm 8, it's like he goes from, from 0 to 60 in like two seconds. 
He takes us all the way up to the very heights of creation. And he reminds us that those, those great things in creation show us and display for us the greatness and the glory and the grandeur of God. But then he comes to verse 2 and he suddenly comes back down to earth. Notice what he says. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Babies and infants. Now look, there, there's no doubt that the oceans and the mountains and the galaxies and the planets speak volumes of God's greatness. But we read verse 2 and we say babies and infants? Babies and infants can't even really talk. In, in fact, you, you don't get a whole lot more helpless than a baby. And yet, isn't it true that the wonder of birth and the amazing intricacy of a baby's body testify to the greatness of our Creator. In addition to that, you might remember that Jesus actually quotes this verse in his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 21. In fact, take your Bible for just a moment and, and turn over to Matthew 21. The first part of Matthew 21 is what we know as the triumphal entry. Children, that's when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And then at a certain point, uh, Jesus goes into the temple. And, and notice verse 12 of Matthew 21. Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? The, the religious leaders thought, how embarrassing. How embarrassing that these children would be doing this. But Jesus says this is exactly what David was talking about when he wrote Psalm 8. The beauty of children singing praise to their creator and their redeemer. And, and by connecting Psalm 8 to himself, Jesus is making the very clear point that he is God. He says, Psalm 8 is talking about me. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm the one who has set my glory above the heavens. I'm the one whose name is majestic in all the earth. And therefore, I am worthy of worship. What these children were doing was not embarrassing. What these children were doing were very fitting. The Lord has blessed us here at Zion with children. What a joy it is that they are here in worship with us every Sunday. What a joy it is to hear their voices as they sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What a joy it is that they are here with us as we learn the word of God together. What a joy it is to see them. I get the privilege of being up here. 
and seeing all the dear children the Lord has blessed this church with. And it's a reminder of Psalm 8. It's also a reminder of a principle that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, when he says, God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God uses our children to be a blessing to us in the context of worship. God works through weak vessels, unexpected vessels, vessels the world says that's shameful, that's embarrassing. Those children are unimportant. God works through those things to glorify his name. A couple of years ago, I heard a pretty well-known pastor say to his church on a Sunday morning, he said, um, we do big church here. We do adult church here. We have other programs for children. They, they can go somewhere else, but this is big church. That's embarrassing. That's contrary to the word of God. Isn't it sad to see children of the covenant viewed that way? You, you go somewhere else. We don't need you here. It's a blessing to hear the voices of our children. It's a blessing to hear their voices even when they're squirming sometimes. Because it's a reminder to us that our children are part of the church as well. And Psalm 8 even tells us that through these seemingly insignificant mouths, through little children, the Lord stills the enemy. Do you see that? Verse 2. Don't you think that Satan just hates what happens here on Sunday? Don't you think that he hates it when children sing praise to God? Don't you think he, he hates it when children have a Bible open and follow along with the sermon? Don't you think he hates it when, when, when children hear the good news that Jesus saves? How much Satan must scowl at that. How much that must anger him. Parents, keep bringing your children to church. Keep singing with them. Keep reading the Bible to them and with them and praying with them. Well, notice now from little babies, David once again soars up to the heavens in verse 3. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When I was a, a sophomore in college, I took uh, an astronomy class, not astrology, Astronomy. Astronomy children is the, is the study of planets and stars. And, and in one of our classes, we went to the Griffith Observatory in L.A. Maybe you've been there before. And, and we spent time looking at the sky from all of these really powerful telescopes. And if you've ever done that before, you, you know that it's really quite incredible. Because when you do that, you, you realize how small you are. You realize how, how puny you are compared to the rest of God's creation. I mean, think about this. God made the moon to orbit the earth about 250,000 miles away. 
He, he made the sun to be over a hundred times larger in diameter than the earth. He made the stars, the closest of which is 25 trillion miles away from our planet. And again, there are 200 billion stars in our galaxy and approximately 2 trillion galaxies in our universe. And maybe you've seen that thing on YouTube before where, where this camera in space zeroes down on Earth, it zeroes down on a, a particular building, and then it starts going back and back and back and back, and the picture gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, Earth is this tiny little blip. And you think about these things, you think about these numbers, you, you, you look at a, a video like that where the, the earth seems so puny and you feel small. That's exactly how David felt. And, and it leads David to ask a question, Lord, who are we that, that you would have any kind of relationship with us? And that leads to the second thing in this psalm, and that is God's crown of creation. You may feel insignificant. You may feel puny. But it is far from the truth. Because the truth is that according to the word of God, God has given to man a significance and an honor that is unmatched in creation. In fact, we could, we could even make it more personal by saying this. Children, think of everything that God has made. Think of everything that God has created. The mountains, the oceans, all the animals, all the fish, all the birds. Think of all the stars, think of all the galaxies. I mean, you put all this together and this is just a massive amount. But of all the things in creation that God has made, of all the things God created, the crown of his creation, the masterpiece of his creation, is you and me. It's you and me. That's what the Bible tells us. David says in verse 5, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. To understand what David is getting at here, we have to understand Genesis chapter 1. If you don't understand Genesis 1, in fact, if you don't, don't understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the, the foundations of a Christian worldview just crumble. So take your Bible and now go back to Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. We, we want to let this chapter inform our understanding of what David is saying here in Psalm 8. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 is laid out in such a way that, that it's all building up to the sixth day of creation. It's all building up to this, this grand crescendo. Children, do you remember what God created on the various days of creation? On day 1, he created light. On day two, he created the sky and the atmosphere. Day three, he created the dry land and the plants. Day four, uh, the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, the birds and sea creatures. Day six, the land animals. And again, it's all building up to this great moment on the sixth day of creation. Notice what we read in verse 26. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In all of God's creation, only human beings were made in his image. Nothing else was. Your pet, the dog or the cat or maybe the fish that you love, your family pet, they are not created in the image of God. Only human beings are in the image of God. And, and that's what Dave is referring to here in Psalm 8 when he says that, that human beings have been crowned with glory and honor. Now, we live in a day and age when, when many people have lost sight of this. There's a sense in which um, animals have more rights than unborn children. Now, progress is being made in the right to life movement, overturning of Roe versus Wade, but, but there's a whole lot more work to, done, to be done. And so many people, even institutions, even governments, seem to place a higher value on animals and on creation than they do on human beings. But man being made in the image of God is the crown of God's creation. And it's a reminder to us of the dignity of man, the value of man. And Psalm 8 is also a reminder to us that that God made human beings to be stewards of his creation. Notice what David writes in verse 6 of Psalm 8. He says, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. God gave us all these things for our enjoyment, didn't he? And, and I think all of us enjoy the creation. We enjoy the mountains and the oceans. We enjoy a sunset. We enjoy animals. We enjoy good food and drink. And as we enjoy these things, the Bible calls us to be good stewards of these things. And, and so God created Adam in his image as the crown of all creation. But tragically, Adam wasn't content with his place. As one author writes, he says, Adam wasn't content with being a prince in the service of the king. Adam himself wanted to be king. And in Adam's rebellion against his creator, he plunged the entire human race into sin. And now we live in a world that is terribly broken. We live in a world that has gone terribly awry. We live in a world where Paul's words of Romans chapter 1 are reality, where he says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's what sin has done. And we look at our broken world today and we ask the question, is there any hope for humanity? Is there any hope for a fallen world? Is there any hope for you? Maybe, maybe you've come to Zion today for the first time or the second time and, and you're asking that question, is there any hope for me? Is there any meaning? Is there any purpose to life in this world that is terribly broken? Well, we have good news for you. The Bible has good news for you. And the good news is that right after Adam's sin, God graciously pursued Adam and Eve. He, he could have left them in their sin. He would have been perfectly just to do that. But he pursued them. He, he made a sacrifice for them. He covered their nakedness. And he gave the first promise of the gospel. That he would one day send one who would crush the head of the serpent and who would deliver sinful man from his sin. Yes, this world is terribly broken. But there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. In fact, the New Testament tells us that we can see Jesus in Psalm 8. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to one more place this morning, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse 5. Hebrews 2, verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, and by somewhere he means Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I love this, that the writer takes Psalm 8, which originally spoke of the dignity of the first Adam, and he applies it to the second Adam. For a little while, Jesus was made lower than the angels, wasn't he? In other words, Jesus humbled himself by taking on a human nature. He humbled himself by coming to this sin-stricken earth. He humbled himself by, by suffering and by dying so that God's original purposes for creation would be restored. And when he comes again one day, that restoration will be full and it will be complete. We see Jesus in Psalm 8. We see Jesus who gives purpose to life. Jesus who restores creation. 
And so this morning, if you are wondering, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for this world? Yes, there is hope, and it's found in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And now, like David, we stand in awe of God's greatness in creation. And we stand in awe of the grace of the gospel. Lord, who am I? Not only that you would give me life, but who am I that you would send your son to die for me? You know, we rejoice this morning that God didn't leave us in our sin and misery. But he sent Jesus, true God, true man. He sent the second Adam to do what the first Adam failed to do. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he has accomplished our salvation. And so when we ask the question, Lord, who are we that you would be mindful of us? John 3.16 should be resonating in our ears that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, you're not insignificant. This world might tell you that you are, but you're not insignificant. You're not unloved. God loves you so much that he became a man. He loves you so much that he suffered. He loves you so much that he was reviled for you. He loves you so much that he was beaten for you. He loves you so much that he was crucified for you. He did all of that because he loves you. And it ought to cause us to cry out with David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, that's what Psalm 8 should do. It's not merely to stuff our heads with more knowledge. It's ultimately to lead us to praise the one who is so great and so mighty and so glorious. The one who is the king over all things. The one who is the king of your life. The one who is sovereign over all of this world and over all of the, the galaxies he has made. But he has also stooped down to us. He became one of us. And he died for us. So that we might live. Truly how majestic our God's name is in all the earth. May this psalm lead us to worship him this morning. To say this, this is our God. This is the one to whom we belong. He is so majestic, so mighty, so loving, and so gracious. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Like David, Lord, we, we look at creation and we are in awe of you. We are in awe of one who created all things by his spoken word. Billions and billions of stars. 
billions and billions of, of galaxies. Lord, that is nothing to you. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we thank you that you stooped down, you condescended to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You loved us so much that you sent your son to live and to die for us that we might be saved. Father, if there are those here this morning who are wondering if there is any hope, draw them savingly to Jesus. Cause them to see in Jesus true hope, true meaning, true fulfillment, true life. Lord, who are we that you would be mindful of us? And yet, because of the great love with which you have loved us, you sent your Son. And so we give you thanks and praise this morning for all that you have done for us, for who you are. May we glorify you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would like to support this ministry, you can find us at www.goodnewsinadarkworld.com. Thank you for listening.